Thank you, Brother Tim. What a great, great song and well done. Open your Bibles again to the last verse and a half of Acts chapter 27 where the Bible says, And commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship, and so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. I'm going to preach this morning on the subject, boards and broken pieces. I want to just share my heart as a pastor for you and for the responsibility that we have to reach folks with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless the preaching of your word today. My, how my heart is blessed to be here on this summer Sunday morning to see a great crowd of folks in church, to have many visitors to worship with us today, to hear the choir sing, to hear the special songs, to enjoy the fellowship. And now, Lord, as we come to the preaching of your word, this is the purpose, this is why we come to church, to hear the preaching of your word. And I believe that all that we've experienced has helped to prepare our hearts to receive the message this morning. And I pray that you would fill me with your spirit as I work to accomplish your will. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to use this story of Paul and others on a ship to Rome as an allegory or an illustration or an example for the message this morning. Now this is a true story. This is not an allegory. It is a true story. Paul was on a ship to Rome and he had desired for many years to go to Rome and to preach and uh, he went more as a prisoner than a preacher but no matter where he was, uh, public or in prison, he did preach the gospel of Christ. But I want to use the illustration of what happens with the ship for the message this morning. Now that happens as we read the scripture often. Paul said these words to Timothy. He said, I want you to fight a good fight. I want you to fight as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He was not telling him uh, to get in a fist fight with someone. He was telling him to take a stand for the word of God as if he, as if he were fighting uh, as a soldier. Paul would often say that we are runners in a race, and he would tell us to run all. Now, we're not runners. It's obvious looking at us that we're more of a, a wrestler than we are a runner. But anyway, uh, some of us may be, some of you may be. Uh, but Paul used it as an illustration. He said in uh, 1 Corinthians, as he wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means... When I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. That's an allegorical word or used in that fashion. A castaway is something that once had value. It's a, a mariner term, and now it's a castaway. He said, I don't want to be a has-been. I used to be a castaway. He said, I want to stay in the fight. So he used these things as an illustration. 
In this story, the passengers, including Paul, are on a ship that was sailing to Rome when it crashes into the land and uh, one end or part of the boat is broken up to the point they know that the boat is not going to sail anymore and perhaps is going to sink. And so he tells them, uh, those that are able, the centurion and others in charge, so those that are able to swim, uh, I want you to swim to the shore, swim to safety. Uh, the rest of you is going to have to find a board or a broken piece of the ship, and that would have been me. Uh, I'd have been looking for the biggest board or holding on to someone that could swim uh, to get to, to shore. Uh, this week I preached with Brother Dallas in Anchorage, Alaska. My wife and I uh, and Laura and uh, his wife were there, and we spent a couple of extra days in Alaska. And we went to a very interesting town of uh, Whittier. Uh, Whittier, Alaska. You may want to look it up. A uh, hurricane and er, an earthquake uh, uh, took place there in 1964. And uh, there are no houses in that town. Everybody lives in one big building, 15 floors. Very interesting place. A large uh, ship harbor there. And uh, we, uh, we ate there. We ate everywhere we went. And uh, uh, some folks asked me if I went fishing. I said, I didn't have time to. I was eating all the fish they had caught uh, is what I did. Uh, but uh, while we were in Whittier, we went out on a, bo a boat, a large boat. I think it hold 250, 300 people, something like that was the capacity. And we went out to see glaciers. And, and uh, I saw on the monitor, and I've been on uh, fishing boats where it tells you the depth of the water. And I thought, boy, this is deep. And uh, they said, uh, they told us, they said, uh, it, it is right, if you're looking at the monitor, uh, we're now in water over 1,200 feet. Now, not a whole lot of difference in water for me over six feet. I mean, if it's six feet or 1,200 feet, I'm in trouble. I don't like water. I don't like deep water. In fact, I take showers. That's how much I don't like deep water. And, uh, and, and it was a bit unnerving to me, it was. And I had been reading this passage of Scripture here, and I thought, uh, boy, that, that, that would have been unnerving to me. And sure enough, this is not a good passage to read before you get on a boat like that. It's just not a good thing to read. And uh, you get on a boat, and I was praying the whole time, Lord. Uh, and, 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 and wouldn't you know it, one time, they said, we want you to see this waterfall. I'd seen waterfall before. And uh, they took us right into the bank. And here, this boat crashed into the bank. Uh, anyway, I'm just telling you that story to say uh, that as an illustration. And some of those folks only escaped by boards and pieces of the ship. Now, here's why I told you that story. I've had the privilege to serve here more than 31 years. And my desire has been in all these years to help every age, person, people in every stage of life to enjoy the Christian life. I, I, I get frustrated by those who are so blessed, they're so blessed by the salvation of the Lord to live a sour life. You and I are blessed people. And we, we are on the winning side. We're on the victory side. And in my life and ministry, and I, I didn't come here to pastor this church and to move to another church and move to another church. This is, this is my state. This is my town. This is my church. This is my life. And my heart's desire is to see families rear their children in a place where they can enjoy the Christian life. 
with Christ at the center of our lives. That's my heart's desire. It's been a great joy. It's been a great joy to see our children and to watch our children now go to kindergarten and go through the Christian school and then many of our children go to our Bible college or to go to college, whatever God's will is for their life and to see them marry and to see them enjoy a godly Christian marriage. And everything that we've done from the camp to the schools and everything we've done, my heart's desire is for every age person, no matter how young or how old, to enjoy the Christian life. And not just to enjoy it, but to fulfill it, to be salt and light in this dark world. That's why God left us here after he saved us. If all the purpose was to go to heaven, he could have taken us to heaven the day he saved us. But he left us here to be salt and to be light. In these more than three decades, we have seen many young people uh, just build a beautiful life and family. I've performed not only wedding ceremonies for couples in our church right here this morning, I've now married their children, and uh, I have had that privilege. I had a, a preacher for years who used to say, it won't be long until I'm gone, and he said, you'll find other preachers that are better preachers, but you'll never find another preacher that loves you quite like I love you. And I, I don't know that I understood that then, but I understand it more and more. You're, you're, you're my people. I, I love seeing folks grow up and serve the Lord together. It's a joy. And we'll be a joy tomorrow to see many of our children come to a Christian school and to see the new kindergartners. I believe 13, 13. That sounds a bit unlucky. Uh, for the teacher, uh, 13 kindergartners in the kindergarten class tomorrow. Nearly every class is filled. It does my heart good to see children getting an education that this old King James Bible is the foundation and every teacher is a Christian man or woman. I'm thankful that what they teach is important, but who they are as an example is equally important. It's a joy to go to the baseball field and watch the boys and girls and see them be able to play uh, uh, baseball and have fun and not to be around uh, alcohol. Folks, you can play baseball without selling alcohol. This whole world is in such a mess. What a joy it is that they can go and play and enjoy that without all the sinful influence of the world. Across this building today and serving throughout the ministries of our church are couples and families and individuals who have served the Lord from their childhood. I don't want you to experience sin because I don't want you to experience the pain of sin. That's why I preach the Bible to you and I, I, I preach the Bible hard because I, I believe that God knows how to best direct our paths. I preach against sin because I don't want sin and the pain of sin to wreck and ruin your life. That's why I live and that's why I lead by old-fashioned Bible standards of behavior and holiness and righteousness. 
I believe in that. I, I've said to folks, I should have been born in 1910 and finished by now. But for some reason, God wanted an old-fashioned preacher to hang around in 2022. And I'm not, if the Bible hasn't changed, I don't have a right to change. And I, I want us to rear our children to live that way even in this world. Across the nation, there are young people who have come through this place in serving the Lord. I, I probably shouldn't do this, but this morning even I just started jotting down names of folks I've had the privilege to pastor, to see grow up in our church and Sunday school. And we have many children and young people that have had a quality Christian homeschool experience. And I'm not in negative toward that. I just, just I'm thankful for all of the families that have reared their children to serve God. But I was, I was thinking today of the, of the Millers and the Ewers and the Stewarts and the Araches and, and Broadus and the Youngs and the Bobbitts and Porter and Barkley and the Heaths and the Henrys and the Moores and the Kellys and the Browns and the Baxters and on and on. Those used to be families in our church. They're all out serving God today. Somewhere between a church, a Sunday school, a Christian school, and the mission field. Not everyone's had the opportunity or taken the opportunity to grow up in a Christian home or grow up in a church. I'm thankful I had that privilege. I'm glad I did. I, I'm glad that I grew up without uh, having to experience the difficulties of alcohol and immorality and all of the things that go with that. Not everyone has that opportunity. There's a young lady here today that's coming to our Christian school. She just got saved a few weeks ago. She's been busy the last few weeks working to get all of her friends saved. She's so excited about being saved. She is so excited she gets to go to a Christian school tomorrow. Not everybody has had that opportunity. And I hope I word this correctly. Some lives are like these, this ship that is broken. Some are like these boards and broken pieces, once a part of the ship but have been wrecked and hurt and broken by sin and bad decisions. I have news for you. God can use anybody. Thank God for those that have given their lives to Christ from an early age. But I thank God for those that have given their life to Christ even this week or last week or last month. I was uh, talking to Brother Rollins this morning. Most of us know him as Rocky Top. Those that he owes money to us, we call him Rocky Top. <laughs> he didn't grow up in a Christian home. He grew up in an alcoholic's home. And he was an alcoholic. At the age of 22, he went into the Union Garden Mission in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He didn't go in to hear anything about the gospel. He went in to get a free meal. He'd just found the place, and he'd been going for several days. He'd been going for almost a week. He lived on the street or wherever he could find a place to sleep and he lived for another bottle of alcohol. One day he walked into that homeless shelter and a man put his hand on his shoulder and asked him his name. He said, Jim, he said, have you ever been saved? And he said, 
What is saved? What does that mean? He said, have you ever accepted Christ as your Savior? He said, I don't think so. He said, have you ever heard of a new life in Christ? And here's what he said. I don't know anything about it. But if it's better than the life I'm living, I'm interested. He said the fellow took him by the hand and led him like a child from the back of the building and in the front they had a platform and an altar. He said he led him up front and a young preacher boy from Tennessee Temple University took the Bible and took him down the Romans road. He said I'd never been on that road before. He said I knew I was a sinner but that's all I knew. I knew I was an alcoholic. But he said that day God saved my soul. He made him a new creature in Christ. Brother Rollins, since I've known him, a lot of folks have made it to the shore because of Jim Rollins. A lot of folks have been, they've made their way from the dangers and death of the waters to the safety of the shore because he said, I didn't want anybody to live or to die like I'd been living. He led so many of his family, brothers and sisters and uncles and family to Christ. May I say this morning, it doesn't matter what your background is. You give your life to Christ. You can help others. You can be salt and light. You can help others to the safety and to the shore of salvation. I have a dear friend in Charleston, West Virginia. His life was a difficult life. It was a broken home and broken by sin and the pains of sin were the daily experiences of life. A soul winner led him to Christ later in life and he gave his life to serve the Lord and he runs a mission and has for years in Charleston, West Virginia. I'd never preached in that region of the country there outside of between Huntington and Charleston what he didn't show up and bring a van or a bus of those men and women from a, from a home or from a, 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 a homeless shelter and bring them to church. And he'd always come and see me as a shy, quiet kind of fella. He said, I got a bunch of people here tonight, preacher. And I always say this, I got a bunch of people here tonight, preacher. They're broken just like I used to be broken and they don't know anything about the love of Jesus. I can't wait for them to hear you preach tonight. Friend, can I tell you something? I'm glad for the life that we know in Christ. I'm glad for the love that we know in Christ. And some of you have been saved so long and haven't rehearsed your salvation. You ought to thank God that you're saved and on your way to heaven. And if you grew up in a Christian home and you grew up in this church and you've known the joy and privilege to sail safely on the waters of life without knowing the shipwreck and the heartache and the heartbreak, you ought to thank God this morning that that's the testimony that you have. Ah, oh, but you listen to me this morning. If you lived half your life or you lived a part of your life and you experienced the hurt and the pains of sin and you've made mistakes or you outright rebelled against God, I want to say to you this morning, don't you leave the will of God and don't you leave this place thinking nobody cares about you. There is a preacher right here that I love you. I don't care where you've gone in sin. I don't care how far you've gone in the world. I serve a God that loves me 
me, when I'm right with him and I serve a God that loves me, when I'm cold toward him. And we need a revival in this generation of Christians who love those that are hurting, who love those that are away from the will of God. I get so tired of folks looking down their pharisaical snoot at somebody that has fallen or somebody that's struggling. You better pick up everybody you can pick up because one day you might need somebody to lend you a helping hand. I was counseling with a lady recently who'd been through some of the most troubled water my heart broke as I heard of the difficulties she'd gone through. She told me the story in tears and she felt a bit embarrassed and ashamed at what had happened in her life. She said, I'm coming to church here and I, I want, you to, want you to know my story. And I told her, as I often say, I'm not the best counselor in the world. I do have the best book in all the world and have a wonderful, loving God. And I told her, as I've said to many folks, hey, listen to me, a broken crayon will color just as well as a new one. It may not color as long, but it'll still color the paper. My wife and I pray for those. I hurt this morning for those that are out of the will of God. I hurt, sometimes I hurt because they think preachers are ashamed of me, a preacher's mad at me. I hurt for those that may be afraid. I don't want anybody ever to be afraid to come back and to talk to this preacher. I want you to know I love you and care about you. I want you to know the joy of serving God. Isaiah said, a broken reed, a, a bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. Jesus repeated that in Matthew 12, 20, and he said, a bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench. You may be a bruised reed this morning, but God loves you for who you are. I don't want anybody to go off into the far country. I don't want a single boy or girl to ever leave the safety of the will of God and the shelter of the will of God. But if you do and you ever wonder if you can come home, you mark it down on this day that I said, yes, you can come home. And yes, you can come back to the will of God. And yes, this preacher will love you. And most of the people in this church will love you. Luke 4, 18, Jesus stood in the temple and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. And recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Psalm 34 verse number 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. And saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. You want to get a hold of God in prayer? You don't go to God telling Him uh, what your qualifications are and what you've accomplished. You go to Him with a contrite and a broken heart. And the Bible says He always hears the broken and the hurting heart. One of my favorite verses in all of the Bible, <clears throat> especially in the book of Isaiah, is that verse in Isaiah 57, 15. 
For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. I love to say that even though I can't comprehend it. I can't understand how God can live in eternity because I can't understand eternity. I can understand a long time back, but it has to be dated by something. But he always has been. He always will be. Before Abraham was, the Bible said, Jesus said, I not was. He never was. He is the great I am. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. <coughs> With him also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contrite ones. Sitting in this room this morning are folks that have gone through many a troubled water. They've gone through some terrible heartaches. I can't say this morning that I understand because I've not been where many are today. But I want you to know, I want you to know that God loves you as much as he loves anybody in this room. I was preaching in Clinton, Illinois several years ago. And I preached with a man I'd never heard of, never met before. Before he got up to preach, I thought, I like this preacher. I mean, he just preached like a bulldog, sort of looked like one. He'd pound the pulpit and I'd fill it through the floor where I was sitting about three rows out. I didn't know anything about him. But as he preached, he began to weep and tell the story that as a teenager, he'd spent years in and out of homes and halfway houses and AA meetings. He told how his father and mother had to keep him away from their house because the law by the law because the drug dealers were harassing them about money that he owed them. Told the story how he lived in his car and was then staying at a just a place beside the road. One evening he got a call on the phone and they said, phone's for you. He answered the phone. He said, sweetest voice I've heard. In a long time he said it was my mama. And she said, we're going to church tonight. Would you like to go with us? He said, I really didn't care anything about God, didn't care anything about church, but I wanted to get some money from my mom. He said, I went to church that night. He said, a man walked up to me and put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, you don't know me, but I know you, and I've been praying for you. He said, that man took the Bible and took him down the Romans road and told him that God loved him and that God had given his son to pay the price of his sin and he could have not only eternal life, he could have a new life in Christ. And he said that night, my life was changed forever. That's the first time I ever heard Chris Dallas preach. I thought, my, I love that kind of a God. And I love that kind of a man that loves God that way. The last few years we've preached together across America. 
This week we were in Anchorage, Alaska. We preached. He preached Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I preached Tuesday and Wednesday evening. We often join him on Monday and Tuesdays. On Thursday we were driving, or Friday we were driving over to the church, just he and I together. He was driving a tear came down his cheek. He said, Preacher, I'll always regret the sin of my life as a teenager. And I'll always regret the way I treated my parents. I wish I could get rid of that, but I'll have to live with that. He said, I do love them now. And they have a great relationship now. Young people, Give your life to God early and young. Don't build regrets in your life. Don't, 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 don't be unkind to your mom and dad. Don't be unkind to the people at church that love you. But I just want to say this morning, some are just boards and broken pieces of the ship. But thank God every single person in that story was saved because of somebody some made it to land because they could swim. Some made it because they found just a board or a piece of the broken ship. You may not be the ship. You may be just a board or a broken piece. You can help somebody to safety this week. You ought to invite somebody to church with you next Sunday. You ought to tell somebody this week, Jesus loves you. He died for you. Let's stand this morning. I want to say, there's not a person in this church or used to be in this church, and I'll guarantee you there's somebody watching me right now that used to sit in church right here, maybe even be a part of serving God. You're not in church today. You ought to come home. You ought to get right with God. Because the world doesn't have anything to offer you but heartache. Now they have a whole lot of fun getting to the heartache, but it's not worth it when you get there. Not a one of us have a right to be a Pharisee to anybody. We want to love every person that we can to Christ. Heavenly Father, I didn't preach much of a sermon today. But Lord, I ask you if it, I ask you if I could just Tell my people today that I love them. And Lord, if I could just remind us, everybody needs somebody to love them. Every child, every teenager, every man and woman, they need somebody to love them with the love of Christ. May we never become a church. May we never become a church that kicks out the wounded. And oh God, if we've offended or hurt those that have been hurt by sin, God forgive us. Help us to love like you loved us. And I pray God, if there's one here today that's not saved, that they would trust you as Savior. And I pray today, if there are those that are out of your will, they would find their place at this altar today and make things right with you. I pray that you'd bless our invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.